This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and ClearPay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week are Tina Amini. Hi, everybody. Sam Claiborne. Hi, everybody. I'm not And Justin Davis. Scoop. <laughs> and we have a great show for you this week. We've got some big games that are out this week that we've been playing and some of us have reviewed that we've got to talk about. we got to talk about a, a bizarre contest that Konami is holding, asking uh, smaller developers to make its games for them, which I guess is maybe better than nothing. But first, better than nothing. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> low bar, low bar. Yeah. <laughs> Would you rather have a new Gradius game made by an indie developer or no new Gradius game? <laughs> That's our choice it's right true. now. Yeah. <laughs> but first, let's begin uh, two big games out this week Far Cry 6 and Metroid Dread. Far Cry 6 got an 8 from IGN, and then uh, Metroid Dread got a 9 from our from GameScoop's very own yeah. Sam Claiborne. Damon, did you did you beat Far Cry yet? Oh, no, I haven't, I haven't beat okay. it, no. All right. Uh, I played Far a lot Cry, of it. Yes, we gave Far Cry an 8, mm-hmm. which is on the uh, Sam will play a level for sure. Sounds great. <laughs> play a level? Yeah. You'll play, play through one, one outpost? You know, with open world. No, 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 I said <laughs> it's on the level that I'll play. Eight and above. Yeah. No, I agree. One outpost would be very sad. I played (laughs) like specifically for you, Damon. I played like two hours. I managed to squeeze in two hours of the game. Oh, that's great. Contribute this one comment, which is the first outpost is very easy. And Sam, you should play beyond that. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Deal. What do you, what is it? Does it look pretty so far, Tina? It's gorgeous. And actually, um, I've really been feeling like, what are we, like a year and a half-ish, almost mm-hmm. two years into um, pandemic times. And I've really been feeling like the the vibe of wanting to, to travel somewhere mm-hmm. tropical and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I've managed to do so digitally on my projector. <laughs> so, you're, so you're enjoying exploring this tropical environment. So far, I mean, again, super early on, um, I felt very guilty because I have found a horse and then I was trudging along on my horse, but then poor little guapo is taking forever to keep up with me. So I'd turn around and wait, make sure he can catch up, even though I know <laughs> AI-wise, he's obviously going to catch up, but yeah. you know, we it's it's a new bond, so I don't want to leave him behind. <laughs> guapo is the first uh, animal friend that you uh, encounter, and he's the crocodile. Oh my yeah. god! Crocodile or alligator? Crocodile. He's, yeah. a, he's a he's a crocodile. Yeah, okay. you okay. can you can tell by the nose and also because they call him a crocodile. That was a very <laughs> very astute crocodile fact right there. And also, there's yeah. only alligators in Florida and China. 
That's right. It's it's region specific too. This how could, did they, there, maybe there's Alec. Maybe this is in Florida. I don't know. Where is it? How did this, get from one to this the takes, other? <laughs> this takes place <laughs> in a fictional island uh, state, Sam. So I think there could be alligators here if the okay. developers wanted. There's to fictional see. island states in Florida. They're called the Keys. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> There's been some, uh, I, I guess, uh, this, this this entry in the Far Cry series has proven to be divisive for some. IGN gave it an eight, but not everyone uh, was as enthusiastic about it. Some people are just feeling some fatigue, I think, from the franchise and the formula. And we call that fartigue. Fartigue. <laughs> Far Cry. I mean, that's definitely true with me. Like, I think I played I played Primal less than three, and then I played four less than Primal and five less than four. So it's like each one, I'm just like, I don't like... It's very samey, even though they're so different from a uh, storytelling perspective and a setting perspective. Like the gameplay wasn't quite evolving enough for me. But but the comment that I've seen from some IGN folks like JR and just other folks was like, like if you're in the mood for that kind of like, you know what you're getting, like it's not going to surprise you. It's just another Far Cry game. And um, I feel like Far Cry is being held to a standard where like, why can certain games get away with that? And then other games can't, you know, it's like if they kept making Metroid style Castlevania games forever, everyone would say, yep, sign me (laughs) up. But like other games seem to not be able to get away with sort of like delivering on that same formula. Um, I didn't get a copy of six through work, so I haven't started it yet. And um, but like, I think I'm ready. Like it's been a hot second since I've played like a big open world outposty, you know, just vomit icons all (laughs) over the map. It's and then just go, yeah. go check well, them off one like by based one. Based on the pattern of your gameplay, you should just do one outpost like me. Yeah. There you go. And so it's I very think... simple. It's off the side of the road. There's like three enemies. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can stealth it probably, right? Yeah. Yeah, but why would you when you have Guapo? Which honestly, you oh, know, God. and you can you can look at the slate of locked other. They call them amigos. So mm-hmm. you can look at the slate of the other locked amigos, and you know there's there's quite a quite a scale of uh, pet amigos that you get, and oh, that man. might be what's worth it for Far Cry Six alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have I have Chorizo the dachshund in a in a little wheelchair now. Aww. Oh no, it's very cute. Uh, he's it's more of a diversion, <laughs> more <laughs> for the enemies. He's not gonna he's not good really good on offense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or stealth. Uh, yeah, or even stealth for that matter. Uh, so I've been a long time defender of Far Cry. I, I've enjoyed all of them since three. I even Primal. I liked Far Cry Five, and I reviewed New Dawn and thought it was fun enough. Mm. I, I, I gave that one a seven. Uh, it's like I've liked all of them, but I think even I have to admit, after spending many hours with Six, I'm I'm, I'm feeling a little like okay, maybe now, uh, maybe finally it's 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 starting to affect me. I'm feeling a little bit. And I don't think it's the gameplay. The gameplay I love. It's like what what Far Cry does is what I love: exploring an open world, finding collectibles, taking out outposts. That's what I love. And there's not that's not broken. But for me, this time around, the setting and the story and the characters all just feels really sort of bland and uninspired. I even like Far Cry Five, which is like rural America. Now, in hindsight, seems just those these two games seem right. or five seems a little bit more interesting to me now mm-hmm. in hindsight. So. I mean, even narratively, like it's, I'm again, two hours in, so reserving actual judgment for at least a couple more hours in. But for now, even like the, the basic premise of the story is a very, very uh, typical kind of villain story of like, do the ends justify the means? Like it's, it's exploring mm-hmm. the same sort of conflict that so many stories before it, um, you know, Far Cry regardless, have definitely touched on before and I'm also a little confused by it, and I'm sure they'll c- explain this further, but I can't quite reconcile in my head. Okay, so they have like the premier, like most advanced uh, medical technology to develop cancer treatment, mm-hmm. but also there's just so much like backwards kind of um, like political framework around that. Like, how is the UN and other <laughs> nations not scrambling to like help? The, the medical facility part were to where like, you know, this country has to resort to slavery to bring people in to work on the, the plantations to make sure that the, the tobacco and whatever else in the tobacco is making the, the medicine that they're creating. Like, I can't yeah. understand that dichotomy going on. Yeah. Mm. The, the, the UN is tied up with all the other Far Cries happening. <laughs> Simultaneously in multiverses. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> could be, could be. Do you, um, uh, there's a famous actor in this game, Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah. Is the acting of a 
higher caliber? Well, I mean, obviously he's great. Um, the other characters, like I was saying, I you know, chicken I'm, looks really, really like a great actor. <laughs> add that. Not super impressed with any of the characters I've met so far. And Giancarlo, like he's always great. You know, he's a little bit. Uh, it's everything is a little bit different flavor of uh, Gus Fring, right? Yeah, he's yeah. kind of yeah. He kind of has a thing that he does. He does it really well, but it's you know I wouldn't say he is of an actor of like huge range these days that we get to see. <laughs> Um, so like I'm enjoying it totally fun but maybe uh, maybe it's because I'm playing Ghost of Tsushima so recently and that's a really exceptional open world mm. action adventure game with a really unique setting mm. so maybe it just feels coming off of that Far Cry well, 6 feels more like a game that was much more common in the Xbox 360 and PS3 era that was a little bit more of a cookie cutter sort of mid-tier release that you'd see peppered you know all throughout the year your Kanan uh, Lynch's that's that mm. sort of level well, of game. But part of what sets it apart is there's not that many games that do this sort of open world, you know, million icons on the map that are also a first person shooter. And that's, that's sort true. of like this unique space that Far Cry, like it is materially different than like Ghosts and The Witcher and like the other games that people think of when they picture that kind of game in that way. And like, it's sort of, it's what I was saying before, like, are you in the mood for it? And like, I, I think I am. It's no different than like, oh, do you want sushi for dinner tonight? And you have to think about mm. it for a sec. And you're like, <laughs> yes. That well, sounds great. the last three nights, but also sushi is amazing. So yes, yeah. yeah. So I could do 40, 45 hours of sushi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. For me, I think it's I'll be probably the new IGN rating scale. <laughs> How much sushi? This, yeah, there's no chance. Uh, All yeah. you can eat. <laughs> there's um, there's no chance I won't blast through Metroid first. But yeah, I think I'm going to give Far Cry Six a shot because it's been. I'm not sure I've played a big open world game like this since since Ghosts. There's one thing that I really like. It's very basic, um, more of an accessibility uh, mechanic than a gameplay mechanic. And I didn't play 5, so I don't know if it was in 5, um, but it felt like unique as far as... Because I'm the first thing I do when I load up a game is I go to the settings, I up the brightness, mm. uh, I turn subtitles on if they're mm -hmm. not already automatically mm -hmm. on, um, and then I change the range to where dialogue is the highest, mm -hmm. then is sound effects, then is music. It's about 100... 80 70 me too um that's awesome because like it gets way too loud and I, I really appreciate so far cry 6 also has this but i really appreciate games that also have that dynamic range um for audio so it, which basically means like how much of a range is there going to be between the loudest and the quietest noise because um, mm -hmm. those things are always way too way too off-putting um but i really like that they that there are accessibility options for um enemy outlines and item outlines enemy outlines feels a little bit so i'll probably turn them point but mm. item outlines are an absolute must otherwise i'm like a bomb sniffing dog on every <laughs> corner of every <laughs> level looking for every item so this is a you know it's a it's a nice little lifestyle upgrade um mm. and then they have accessibility options for uh, what they call like important nearby sounds um mm. which so far has been distracting but interesting so like if there's a fire going you can hear it if there's an enemy talking there's a tank going by um obviously you know more for the heart of hearing but uh, it's just interesting to see like how that might impact how you strategize since it is yeah. or it can be a stealth game. <clears throat> yeah, I'm having a hard time with the stealth part of it. Maybe just co coming off from <laughs> Deathloop. I don't know if yeah. enemies are just less forgiving in Far Cry, but I'm I'm just getting uh, caught left and right everywhere and mm -hmm. then just have to like, ah! Hey, how are you? Hi. <laughs> I do like the weapons I are one of the things that I do really like about it. They get silly with the weapons very early on. Uh, right. One of the first things you get, Tina, do you agree? You get, you get this like backpack rocket launcher that you can only use, you know, you have to like, after you use it, it has a recharge, but it'll, the rockets, it fires like 10 rockets and they target any enemy around you, even like a helicopter Ooh. or a tank. Ooh, it's great. That's useful. Yeah. I haven't, I'm not there yet, but that gives me something to look forward to for that's, sure. It's great. And then you recharge it by killing enemies. So that's super fun. Did so you ideal. get, did you get the crossbow, the like bolt crossbow, Tina? No, not yet, but I love crossbows. That's definitely going to be a mainstay in the inventory. It's great. It's like it's like hit kill for every. It's headshot. a one hit kill thing, Ooh, yes. and it's like the um, what's the Half Life Two gun? That's like that. It's like a crossbow that shoots a big oh. bolt and it'll pin enemies to walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> does it do that? Yeah, it does that. It's like <laughs> and it, it like sends enemies like Amazing. flying, and you get it. You get it really, really early on. In Is the that game. how real crossbows work? <laughs> 
<laughs> I will Pretty say sure. though, for um, a plus one to its stealth ability over Deathloop is the tagging system is so much easier. It's always mm. been not that Deathloop is a franchise, but Far Cry has always been pretty easy in that sense. Yeah, um, you literally just pull up your camera and it just pretty much yeah. auto tags everything. As opposed to Deathloop, it expires and also you have to hit a button for each. And also sometimes you can like if you hit if you try to tag somebody who's right next to the other one, it can untag that guy and then you're like, oh great, I got to do the whole thing all over again. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a bonus. Mm-hmm. I think people who haven't played Far Cry in a while, like Justin, I think they're mm-hmm. really going to enjoy it. We actually have an email from John in Squamish, British Columbia. Mm-hmm. He's along the same lines. Um, he says, I just played my first three hours of Far Cry 6. <clears throat> I got to tell you, I'm impressed. I was a huge fan of the series. Far Cry 2 was one of my favorite gaming experiences of all time. My roommate and I used to pass the controller, stay up all night exploring the game. I love the tone, quiet tension, and serious setting in Africa. I love the exploration. He kind of goes on and on and on. Uh, Then he says, I disagree with the general consensus on gaming sites and podcasts that Far Cry 3 is the favorite and best one. I played through the campaign at least twice. The gameplay loop was more polished and more refined than it had been in Far Cry 2. The map was awesome. Securing strongholds and checkpoints was super fun. I love the mechanical improvements to the gameplay. However, uh, like I've heard some Omega Cops say, I'm not a big fan of story in games. For me, it's all about gameplay. And the story in Far Cry 3 was implausible and ridiculous. Not to mention that unbearable idiot Voss. That's an unpopular opinion. Hmm. So he says, I took most of the Xbox One generation off from gaming. Had a new family, a new business. Not until the pandemic lockdown did I dust off my 360, play something other than GTA 5 or FIFA 14. Locked inside for two weeks, I played 70 hours of Fallout New Vegas. When my March 2020 quarantine was over, I ordered an Xbox One. I had a lot to catch up on. A backlog like you wouldn't believe, or maybe you would. I'd played nothing for seven years. Thanks to the only video game podcast, I was able to clue into what kinds of things I had missed. About Far Cry 5, but in the mix with other games like Titanfall 2, Red Dead 2, Witcher 3, Doom, and Sekiro, I bounced off Far Cry 5 pretty quickly. Just wasn't that compelling. Lots of sameness. Too many icons all over the map. Now I'm 40. I'm a real adult. I am no longer a one-console man. I have a Series X, PS4, and a Switch. I'm falling into that demographic you described. Lifelong gamer. Listens to every episode of the podcast. Far Cry 6 is the first game this fall season that was on my purchase shortlist. And I have to say, I'm really excited. After one evening, the weapons are great. The crocodile is a trip. The game looks amazing. (laughs) The small tweaks to the Far Cry formula seem to be working. Three hours of no tower climbing. I actually never really minded the tower climbing. Anyway, also, that's me, Damon speaking. Now back to John. Also, I'm prepared for the story to be completely dumb and the tone and the tone unbalanced. Fun, goofy gameplay mixed in with murderous, grim cutscenes. This could be the start of a fine fall season. Thanks for the great show. I never miss an episode now since taking it up in March of 2020. Uh, at work at my job site, I have lots of podcast listening time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think people out there who haven't played Far Cry in a while are going to have a lot of fun with Far Cry 6. On the other end, this week, Metro Dread is finally out, and Sam reviewed that, and Sam gave it a nine. Amazing, which is great to hear, because leading up to the release, Sam was having a hard time getting excited for it. Yeah, part of the stuff that they showed leading into this game, I remember talking about this in GameScoop, where uh, I was like, yeah, they keep on showing these like robot you know, pursuing battles. Mm-hmm. Emmy? Uh, and Emmy. Yeah, yeah, and I was like really worried, and I think, Damon, you've brought this up before, too, uh, I think you actually said this. Are they like tyrants in Resident Evil? Are they like always mm. chasing you? Because that would really change the feel of Metroid, right? But they're not. Those are just like um, <clears throat> contained stealth areas mm. that you can go into and come out of just fine, and you can take care of them and each one of them eventually. It's cool. That's not even the game, though. The game is just giant Metroid bosses that you need to be strong enough to beat and finding collectibles and new paths and ways to get to areas and solving, you know, what the next thing to do is. And it just really excels at that. It's just, it's, it feels like you, a Metroid game that I really wish we had in 2003. So that meant that we would have, you know, 10 more by now, because there's hmm. just been such a lull in getting these games. And it was great to get a remake of two, but having a new 2d Metroid, like, I didn't really think that was going to happen unless there yeah. was some, you know, big change. And, you know, this is a, this is a Spanish team that worked on this game with, uh, with, uh, core Nintendo people, including, uh, Sakamoto, who has been in the series, you know, since the start, um, feels great. feels like a, a, a A Nintendo game in, in, uh, 2d and like, uh, that's really cool. 2d gameplay. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited to, to play it now that you uh, gave it such a high recommendation because you also reviewed Return of Samus, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and that game actually, like, it's the same funny. developer. The same developer, yeah. yeah if you, if you, uh, I kind of reviewed my review to think about like what I had quibbles with. One of the things was that playing on the 3DS, th- this game and that game both have like fighting game style combat in, in parts. Like, your gun is very reduced in terms of being, um, you know, just something you can just spray it and move on with. Like you usually have to counter attacks or slide or jump over things and dash. There's a dash and a double jump and stuff. A lot of the bosses require you to basically treat it like Smash Brothers. Mm. Um, On the 3DS, they were kind of like getting there and it was so fast and everything. And it sucked on those like little shoulder buttons and on the little screen. Like it just wasn't made for that because you always had to hold like two shoulder buttons and do all your stuff. It just wasn't working. This one, man, like, like I would totally saddle it up in, in uh, for each time I played a boss, for each time I had to do a really difficult platforming run, of which there are collectibles, really fun ones. Um, and uh, I would use the Pro Controller, and it was so awesome. The Pro Controller mm. felt so good. Well, so Nintendo, has, Nintendo has said this is the end, right? <clears throat> this is the end of... Uh, man, it's so funny. They, they, uh, they're, they're saying it's the fifth game in the Metroid series, mm-hmm. uh, of the mainline series, and it's the end of a storyline, right? So like, what does that mean? Well, uh, I said in my review, it's crazier than you think. <laughs> like, it's completely crazy, but it's also like, like this game lets you just be alone and hunt and, and be hunted um, most of the game. Like, it's not like it's not like this other M type thing where it's like, story, 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 story. You should care about this. It's not like that. So it's like, think about like how Super Metroid told a story. Like, it did. It told a story, mm-hmm. but like it told it because, you know, Metroid games and because it could use a light touch. And yeah, there's some cool stuff in this game. I like how it takes place in like Chozo ruins and everything. That's like my favorite setting for Metroid. It connects Samus to like her past as like a little kid growing up with this alien race, which I think is a cool backstory. That's my favorite stuff about Prime and Zero Mission. That's what this game has the most of. And I think that's great. Justin, you're excited to dive into Dread? Dude, I'm so excited. Um, I was Super Metroid is your favorite game, right? Super Metroid is my favorite game. And if I'm being honest, I think I've talked about this on Scoop. Like I was kind of skeptical that nintendo and mercury steam would pull it off um it's not that impressed with samus returns i like samus returns is a totally good like very good video game but it didn't feel like special or exceptional or like a big return to like mm -hmm, exactly and so um seeing them sort of punch up into big triple a like the switches nintendo's home console uh you know their only console now like i i wasn't sure they could do it and i'm so happy and so relieved to uh to see that um you know that they that they were able to get it done and um and that everyone's so impressed with the boss fights and that everyone just like all the positive like just that samus's movement is so fluid and interesting like the franchise doesn't seem to be have fallen into a trap of like they just have to repeat like play the hits over and over again. Like, you know, Samus, she moves very, very differently and has a really different skill set than she does in, you know, super and infusion and in zero mission. Um, and, and even the franchise's willingness to, you know, this is 2.5 D and they've done traditional 2d and traditional 3d, like not very many long running franchises, um, manage to strike that balance of presenting you a new remixed vision of, what you liked and enjoyed 20 or 30 years ago. And well, actually come to think of it, Zelda and Mario are two other games that have also done that really well. And maybe it's kind of non Nintendo studios. Like, I don't know, like a franchise like Halo feels kind of trapped to me in its past. Whereas like Metroid um, doesn't. And I'm so excited to play. Yeah. It's crazy that that you mentioned that to think of what Nintendo has done software wise on the switch. You know, if not the best, one of the best Zelda games ever made. I think the best Mario platformer ever, the best Mario Kart, the best Metroid, maybe. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. It's really well, firing on all cylinders. Metroid Prime is the best Metroid. And I'm well, excited. And, like, and people like Super Metroid, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited about even the lore and storyline implications. Like, you know, Sam's right. Super it's, under, it's super understated. It's never, besides Other M, which sounds like is ignored or like non-canon or like you know if you count five metroid games there's metroid one two and three and fusion and well i guess maybe other m they're considering part of that too then what's the fifth metroid game are they Uh, saying it's other m it's just no it's metroid game boy metroid 
Uh-huh. Super, Super Nintendo Me- Metroid Fusion yeah. is four. Oh, and this Fusion, is five. and then this is five. Got it. So, um, but they have sort of built up kind of interesting lore and an interesting sci-fi world, um, and these, uh, uh, you know, killer aliens. Um, and I'm interested to see where the storyline goes. I also, I'm really excited and pumped that Nintendo didn't fall into the trap of long-running franchises end up being afraid to set things you know next and continue advancing the story and even metroid was like no we're gonna do a a trilogy of prequels and like Mm -hmm. long-running franchises get trapped in prequel land forever and and they weren't even afraid to just you know advance this lore and storyline that they kicked off you know however many years ago fusion came out Mm -hmm. tina i know you just started far cry 6 are you gonna check out metroid dread depending on uh how it's mostly honestly i get we all actually get swept up in releases and Mm -hmm. there are a couple other things coming out soon um that i suspect will capture my attention like back for blood is a big one for me yeah Yeah. and i was really excited about alan wake remastered um Mm -hmm. but then tristan's review kind of dampened things for me a little bit because i could totally see even before playing the game i could totally see what he's saying um about it kind of being antiquated overall Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, who knows? I was a big Alan Wake fan and I actually never got to finish the main story because, uh, there was a, there was a bad set of circumstances and a lack of battery situation going on and I couldn't backtrack well enough. So I was just a little bit stuck at a point mm-hmm. of time. Um, and I always wanted to revisit it. So depending on how all that goes and all of our commitments to staying on top of new releases yeah. may or may not stick in there. I'm just, uh, I'm not great at like perfectionism gameplay and I don't know how much Metroid Dread um, follows in the path of its history, but if it's very particular, mm. particularly with the boss fights, um, you know, I might, yeah, that's what I suspected. So <laughs> I might yeah, fall off of it. You know what? I'm actually kind of um, like, I'm kind of envious of, of all, all the games that have like, like the, the settings you were mentioning in Far Cry specifically. I think that's super important for games to have. Metroid is, is interesting for Nintendo. There is, they did not put in anything at the start, but normal. So normal is, is, is it's a very difficult game. So, you know, like there's nothing for you. They just not like, you know, Luigi's not going to pop in and beat the level for you. <laughs> like it's, that's surprising for Nintendo. Like I yeah. think it's surprising. And, it's you know, and, and you can't drop it into difficulty or anything. You, you can unlock it harder difficulty. And I've started mm-hmm. it on that. Um, that just sounds insane to me. I, I mean, I'm just curious to what they, what they ratcheted up because like everything is already takes like your entire stock of missiles to beat. And that's yeah. one of the criticisms I had is that like things, things don't really, ammo doesn't really matter in this game, even though that's like the main collectible in it. Like mm. you need to wait for your quick time events and do those right. You know? yeah, it's, really... it's a series built for, for people who seek out profession, perfectionism in their own skills um, and I'm less enthused by that. So I'm happy it exists for the people who, you know, get fulfillment out of those types of games. Um, and I do to an extent too, like I like to be, I like to do perfect stealth runs for instance, but there's yeah. just a very different pace to something like that. Um, like I was, while playing Far Cry 6, it's not as big of a problem in Far Cry 6, but some ladders are really terrible uh, in games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get into panicky moments where I'm supposed to go from point A to point B undetected oh or or like while a lot like you know remain alive throughout and then it's that that geometry moment of like mm-hmm. you trying to grapple onto the ladder so i panic <laughs> too much i panic too much for a game like metroid dread uh to, to yeah. you know proficiently get through the whole thing i imagine I mean, did you guys I would, ever play a metroid in which um you did like the 100 percent run where it has the um speed booster and shine spark puzzles do you know what those are hmm they're like yeah. basically you, don't, you like you don't like, need them to 100 percent the games no, so this game has them back and they're so cool it's like basically there's an impossible thing you have to do and it's you know you, it, but the thing is with that with that those puzzles is that you're running faster than normal and if you stop or hit anything you lose your fast speed so it's like this insane puzzle to wrap your head around where you have to be absolutely perfect through this giant area that's like a perfect touch speedrun obstacle course. It's like speedrunning the first level of Super Mario Brothers 1. Like, that's what it's like. Hmm. You know, you can't stop. You have to hit everything perfect, and then you get your thing. Like, that's that's the type of stuff where you build to by the end of this Metroid, and that's what I love about Zero Mission. And so that's why I'm really happy about the, 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 the late game in this. Can't wait for people to do that. 
Yeah, I, the, I think the, the lack of accessibility options side, I mean, it's really a reflection of who this game is for, right? Like Nintendo is so not cool. afraid to be like, you want to skip this boss? You want to skip this whole level? Like, sure, yeah, go ahead. Games are for everybody. Like, we don't care, you know, but like it, it, it's a signal for who this game's intended for. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and that 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 so they still they don't. don't want to sell Metroid games. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I was saying recently, this seems to be a much bigger marketing push for this one than they usually do for any yeah. Metroid. So yeah. maybe this one will be a success for them. Uh, well, you can use our strategy guide for it. I'll give yeah. you that. Cool. I didn't have that. Do you want to, sh- Sam? Do you want to show it arrived in the mail? Oh yeah, yeah. I got the. Um, this just came, and I ordered this from Best Buy, and it came today. So that's cool. But I got the special edition. And today and, is you know, Thursday, the out. day before the game. Oh out. yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like it's. It's like that weird thing where sometimes you get a game early. It's and, big. Uh, I'm excited. There's nothing that special in this, though. It's the, the Steelbook, art, art book, and art card. So you know what? It's staying in the box. <laughs> I mean, box. you've already beaten the game, so. Yeah. yeah. But now you'll never know if there's some hidden insert, some special hidden insert. Yeah, you got me in my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gotta buy two every time. Maybe I can carefully open it. Like a thief. <laughs> Well, I'm excited to play Metro Dread. Uh, there's too much to play. All of a sudden, I've got to. I, I have to figure out what my plan of attack is going to be because I do want to play more Far Cry. And then I was also enjoying uh, the uh, Castlevania Advance Collection. And mm-hmm. then it's also spooky season, and there's a bunch of like spooky games I would like to play, but yeah. trying to keep on top of these new like games. Zookeeper. Yeah, I'm super a, spooky. I'm about 100 level 145 on Zookeeper. Jeez. You can put like a magician's hat on a crocodile in that game. So spooky. <laughs> that's a type of Halloween. So that's a game that I'm angling to perfect. As Justin knows, I, uh, mm-hmm. I may have hit level 200. Oh my um, gosh. So yeah. Where's, when does it end? Like Fireworks. Ago. Does it ever it end? Does, and then it does. And then it says, like, well, they say that there's like more levels incoming because you can actually unlock more animals. So there it's, it's mm. plotted out. There's a plan for more levels to come. So I'm I'm oh. I'm sitting waiting for that to happen, but in the interim, I'm going back and making sure making sure I got gold stars and all the levels I didn't. That's the thing stars. too. Yeah, the uh, mm-hmm. the game doesn't stop. The game doesn't end. It stops. That's yeah. the difference. At level 200, it's just like there's no there's no more video game <laughs> anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you're gonna unlock some animal at 270, but it doesn't exist yet. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting up. I'm getting up there. I think I'm at 170 something. Oh, Zookeeper is nice. on the game of the year shortlist. Nice. Nice. It gets harder towards the end. Like oh, yeah. they just throw every yeah. single yeah. mechanic that they have at you. They, they it, just, is, it, it is some bullshit. They just introduced yeah. mud to me. Now there's mud oh, I have to do. I hate yeah, the mud. Mud is the worst. <laughs> the worst. It's like, what happened to my cherry bomb? It's stuck in the mud now somehow because no. that thing never ceases to grow. I hate I the mud. I hate the birds. Poor yeah. animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for the pigs, they like it. That's true. Uh, okay. So they tell me. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the US. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash gamescoop. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. move on to some news this week konami is inviting indie developers to make new games based on some of its classic series Mm -hmm. it's a little bit odd it's called the action and shooting game contest uh they could be remakes or sequels they can pick out a single character or mechanic from a past game they can even change or combine genres that might not have been in the originals and this contest is running until january 2nd 2022 it includes games from uh, Gradius, Star Soldier, that was a Konami series, Twin B, no. uh, Goemon, Nightmare, that's with a, with a K, and others. There's a full list at this official official entry page, but the list is in Japanese. So, I don't know, Our IGN's news article didn't mention, like, Contra or Castlevania, so it might not include those games. It might be... I, I hear Metal Gear's up for grabs. <laughs> well, there's that, too. <laughs> I think I think this is awesome. Like you know, we know like we we and gamers all over the world sort of make fun of Konami and how much they've fallen off. But the company makes pachinko machines. Like they're a big multi-million dollar company that has this whole other thing going on besides AAA games. And they 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 didn't hide the fact that like no, we are pulling out of the AAA game business. That's not a business that we are going to be in as a company anymore. And so. I actually really respect and like them saying, um, you know, indie developers, like, let's make a deal. Like, do you have a vision for a Goemon game? Like, we want to work with you to revive it and bring it back. Like, I, it's sad that Konami internally isn't doing it, but like, but I think it's great. Like, and I, it's great. And I actually respect them for sort of like opening the doors and saying, come on in, like, show us what you can do with these beloved properties. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'd like to see an indie twin B game. 100%. Indie twin B. I think it's super cool. It's super weird. Um, Not completely unprecedented. I mean, I guess for, you know, a a former publisher or a publisher coming from former glory, perhaps. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's it's unprecedented in that field. But, you know, there's tons of game jams out there. And the idea is that you're tapping into a wide Mm -hmm. range of talent and like, you know, seeing what fits. And even if certain things don't exactly work, it's it's interesting inspiration. It's interesting to have it have been created um, and exposed to people. And I think it, you know, spurs inspiration in other people, hopefully. So, and I especially like the idea that they're encouraging people to combine genres. Cause that's something that like made Borderlands a big hit before, you mm. know, this combo of RPG and shooter became a bit of a staple in the industry too. So I think it's, it's an opportunity for some really creative, um, mm. creative works from, from some new voices. <laughs> and I think it's really cool that they're open-minded to that. It's just like, I, I can't imagine like, Nintendo, you know, having that sort of perspective. Yeah. So I really like that it bucks that trend that it's, you know, that there's not this singular focus on just, um, you know, securing the IP and protecting the IP and, and worrying mm-hmm. about those sorts of things. It, it, it's, it's art for the sake of art, which is so much more cool. I mean, Konami probably probably... the vault forever, you know, and and these games are never going to come out of the vault again. It's like, nah, man, like let people have fun with, you know, the stuff that you own. Konami probably doesn't have the internal talent anymore to even make these games like even like the collections like the uh, castlevania advanced collection is done by m2 you know they're all outsourced well what Plus if they're, if they're Castle- reviewed badly you can just be like well we didn't make it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's genius so it, and they have like Iga uh making fake castlevania games that Blood are Saint. cool but they're like you know they're they probably want a slice of that right yeah it's interesting when i was playing uh, some of uh, the Castlevania Advance collection, like Circle of the Moon. It'd been so long since I'd played that, but I've more recently played Bloodstained. So only now do I see like how closely they copied <laughs> everything they possibly could without any sort of copyright infringement into Bloodstained. Like all the same <laughs> yeah. enemies and like, you know, elements of the castle backgrounds and everything. It's really, yeah. it's really funny. It uh, reminds me. Sam, what do you think? Oh, well, I, I think it's a funny idea to think that like, because, you know, you go to Japan, like there's, uh, not only the pachinko stuff, but Konami runs like a series of gyms and mm-hmm. they have arcades and like all, all these other mm-hmm. businesses. Right. And so I can just feel like what happened They're like they're, you have this big board meeting mm-hmm. and, you know, somebody walks in with uh, these Santa bags and they drop them down. They're like, we're really sick of getting these letters about Contra sequels. Can someone <laughs> please do something about this? 
And so they just had to solve that problem. There was just too much fan mail asking for another Contra. And so this is what they had to do. Well, I have, it'll be great. I actually have a theory. Um, yeah. As Jess was saying, you know, uh, Konami made no secret. It was getting out of the AAA game business probably 10 years or so ago. They still had Pro Evo, which is now eFootball. And then yeah. there was the odd release, like that terrible Contra game that came out a couple years ago. But in general, they're more focused on their pachinko business and their gym business. And then a pandemic happened, and I could see that those oh, sides of their business more, being yeah. heavily impacted. And they'll think, "Well, what else can we do? We've got this mm-hmm. legacy. Uh, we've got video game properties. So now you've got this contest, uh, finding indie developers to resurrect their their old titles. And there's also rumors that the its bigger titles, Konami is trying to revive New Castlevania, Metal Gear, and Silent Hill games as well. So mm-hmm. that's my theory." Yeah. I mean, the pandemic you know, forced them to get back into video games. Structuring it as a contest has the potential to be a little bit exploitive or maybe not so great. So we'll have to see how the details shake out there. But like, there's a history of like the Sonic Mania started as a Sonic fan game, right? And, yeah. and really? ra- you know, know and it's cool. Yeah, as an indie developer making their own Sonic game. And I feel like I have so much respect for Sega where, mm-hmm. you know, 99% of their game companies would have sent them a cease and desist. Then Sega instead called them up and was like, hey, like, let's, you know, let's make a Sonic game. And so, like, hopefully this takes a little bit more of that, that kind of approach of, uh, you know, embracing and doing right by these teams that want to resurrect these dormant franchises. I feel like I could make a Gradius. I mean, come on. What about Rocket Knight? I've never played Rocket Knight. Hopefully we'll get a new, hopefully we'll get a new Rocket Knight out of this. Is that an armadillo or something? Uh, oh, he's a he's a little he's got long ear. I can picture him. I think is he a dog. possum? Is he a possum? What Ugh, is rocket? What is not. the rocket? Knight? <laughs> rocket Knight. Rocket Knight's a total dog, isn't it? A puppy? Oh man! Up. Now I feel terrible. I don't just know what rocket I think, Knight is. I think all those all those animals from that mascot era had to be something kind of weird, right? He's definitely a mammal. Yeah, uh, yeah. A he's a possum. A possum. Knight. Thank you. Is that because he has like a tail that he uses to swing around and stuff? He does have a gross looking Not tail. Not like, to be confused right. with the TurboGrafx-16 mascot, Awesome Possum. <laughs> well, I'm very confused by that. <laughs> yeah, you know, possums really punch above their weight in pop culture for how, like, g- gross and unimportant that animal is in reality. <laughs> They're all over the place in, like, comic books and stuff. I call the big one bitey. Let's check in. <laughs> Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Listeners, remember you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Glenn Kirby or Kerbzilla in Barnsley, England did. And he says, I know it's the Scoop Crew's job to keep up with the latest games. Did you ever feel like you were losing touch with your favorite games? I've been thinking about the games I'd like to replay with the purpose of having a collection. Why have a collection if you don't revisit it? And how is that possible? You're constantly snapping up the latest games. Because of this, I've decided to stop buying indie games until I've caught up in my back catalog and only get AAA games for birthdays, Christmas, etc. I wonder how the how the Scoop crew balances these two things and, and manages their back catalog. Mm. Remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. <laughs> yeah, work in progress. I was actually reflecting on this recently because I noticed that my... I was looking through my PS5 library, which allegedly includes my PS4 library. Mm. Um, And it does technically, but there are a (laughs) lot of locked games. Yeah. So like half of them randomly are locked and I I haven't quite figured it out. I think it's because I had multiple PS4s and maybe I have to sign out of them. And there's something to do with, I don't know, primary PS4, primary PS5, whatever. Uh, Have not diagnosed the problem yet, but I was reflecting on, okay, so now I'm locked out of some of my PS4 games on my PS5. But realistically, would I have gone back and played any of these anyway? And I want to think yes, because there are a lot of games that I really enjoyed. And I think it's interesting to revisit media in general. Like I'll watch a movie many years after watching it for the first time and I'll notice details I hadn't the first time around. Or, you know, my memory will have waned in that period. And so it's almost like watching it for the first time. Um, Obviously, games are a much bigger commitment, but I used to Mm -hmm. replay Portal 2 because it's one of my all time favorites fairly regularly, like maybe mm-hmm. every other year or so you will have, it's enough time to have forgotten some of the puzzles. So that's actually a bit sure. of a challenge again, but <clears throat> I just feel really guilty 
if I go to to play an old game. That's why I like when they remaster games like this GTA trilogy. I'm really excited about because it gives me the excuse that I need to play mm-hmm. something that's technically new. And topical that we can mm-hmm. talk about on Game Scoop at That's some point. That's what's important, Game Scoop. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I genuinely model a lot of my like gaming habits to make sure we're all up to date for the, for these for these episodes and keep people. Yep. Uh, in the know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I always feel guilty if I revisit um, older titles, but that's very unique to us in our particular jobs. I yeah, feel we play new games and read old magazines. But I, <laughs> so I agree. I, that's true. I agree. True. I feel the same way as Tina. I want to stay on top of stuff for the purposes of the show. However, I feel like it sort of resets every Thursday evening after we record this. So like Friday oh. and over the weekend, maybe I can I feel better about going back to older stuff. But as the new episode approaches, so like. A lot of like last night and today I was playing a lot of Far Cry. Like I got to I got to play enough so I can like, speak to it. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to do it. Fraction off the week. Yeah. There's like Damon Hatfield game scoop host. And then there's Damon Hatfield normal guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that true? <laughs> now I've seen Damon outside of work before and I feel mm-hmm. like he's basically the same. It's the headphones. That's the weird I, thing. Just always wearing the headphones. Yeah. yeah. He always he also always greets us with. What's up, everybody? Sam, yeah. Tina, and Justin. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's true. Um, I, uh, I, if I, if I have time to play back catalog, quote unquote, games, they're never mm-hmm. ones from like this recent generation. I feel like they're like a game like Rocket Knight. We were just talking about. We're like, well, I'm yeah. always sourcing old game cartridges, and I'm always trying to find old stuff to play. And there's things that people have told me about over the years that are like their favorite games. I'm like, I want to try those, and those might go back really far. And those are usually smaller games. But there's like totally, you know, that that's where I would land if I if I did. And uh, I do the same practice that Tina was just referring to, where I look at all of the games I have in like my digital platforms or from my old shelves and stuff. And like there's mm-hmm. there's very little likelihood I'll want to go back in those. But sometimes I see something that catches my eye and I'm like, I really wish I could replay that. It, it just had such a good feel when I played it the first time. And I would love to play it again. Measured Prime is one of those right now. I really want to play Measured Prime. That's all I want to do. And um, that's just a really bad idea for me to do that right now. Do you have a convenient way to play that? Yeah, well, I have the Metroid Prime Trilogy, um, which was released for the Wii. Right. Which you have, like, I... Oh, you don't have those hooked up, right? Like, you'd have to hook no. up the little I, sensor and put your yeah, wand Wii, and nunchuck out. i hook up the Wii U with the Wii <laughs> sensor bar and play it that yeah. way, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, like my favorite games of all time, you know, Super Metroid, Symphony of the Night, Monkey Ball, Advance Wars. Like I haven't played them in years, years and years and years, with the exception of Super Metroid. Like that's the only oh, one. Monkey like, Ball, dude, you're playing it right well, now. Probably yeah, played yeah, it 15 like, minutes ago. <laughs> I'm, I was well, watching you play it right now. Yeah. When, when the <laughs> Is that why you're tilting they, your head like this? When when the camera was on Damon, I was sneaking in a quick a quick level. Um, <laughs> No, but prior to the re-release, right? Like that game was trapped on the GameCube and I probably hadn't played it in a decade. Um, I don't, I don't have any hangups about that. Um, part of me knows that, that, you know, like if I dig out symphony of the night, like maybe it's not going to feel as special or incredible as it felt, you know, in my memories. And so I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, probably. (laughs) I'm fine to have those games live in my memories. Um, I'm also not precious about like, if I want to replay them, like, okay, like what modern way can I download them and play them? But, um, you know, I don't know. Like, I still have a fondness and appreciation for those games, and they live on in my mind. That's why these remakes or, or re-releases are great. Yeah, it's a free pass it to is. play something old. I haven't played yeah. Monkey Ball since GameCube. Well, there's a new release out this week. No problem. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> our, our reviewer is right, though. Like, a lot of those levels really are bullshit. Um, and I... I <laughs> I but they're your bullshit, a, Justin. It's true. No, like there's no, there's definitely like rationalization that has to happen. Where like I don't care that like this portion of this game is not good. I don't care. It's not rational. Like <laughs> it's an irrational love at some point, and it's just become a part of my identity. But like there's that level. There's a level called switches where there's 20 or 25 switches on the ground and only one of them raises up the goal and the other ones send this giant paddle swinging towards you that knocks you off the stage. And there's no clue and no hint for which is which. And I'm just like, this is terrible. This is a terrible bad level in what remains my fourth favorite game of all time. (laughs) Whatever. It's fine. Just don't worry about that stuff so much. What are, what are two and three? Um, so it's Super Metroid, mm-hmm. Symphony of the Night, right. Super Mario 64. Okay. And then, and then you get Advance Wars and Monkey Ball are my top five. 
Oh my god, bullshit in all those games. So you're Advance was yeah. coming back too, so we'll be able to play that. <laughs> that was why at E3 everyone's like, check in on Justin. Is he okay? <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a big one for me. Me and only me. Uh, okay, one more email this week from Randall. He says, this is the question, mainly for Justin, because I remember he oh. mentioned a while back he plays Gloomhaven. Yeah. The digital version of the board game is about to have its full release with the campaign oh, story game. mode, and I was wondering what his thoughts are on the game and if he is playing it. Mm. Yeah, I, I really, I just wrote a big thing. I've been running a newsletter about tabletop games and board games just for fun outside of work because I don't get a chance to write as much for work anymore. And it's crazy that this letter came in because I just wrote a whole big thing on how I don't like digital adaptations of board games. Oh, yeah. um, the physicality of the components and the game feel uh, has such an impact on how much fun you have with the game. Um, there's a really fun board game called Cartographers where uh, you, you're basically making a map as a, of a fantasy land as you play. And when you play the board game, you know, you're drawing it in. You're drawing little trees and drawing little houses. And I bought the game on my iPad and like it's so much less fun <laughs> to just like, you know, just to plop down the things on your iPad where you're not actually sketching it out with a pencil or with markers or whatever. Um I do have Gloomhaven on Steam, and, and and here's the thing about Gloomhaven is that's a very uh, fiddly game. Um, it's the most beloved board game of all time. It's number one on Board Game Geek. Geek, I think its ranking is well deserved. Like it deserves the praise, but um, there's a lot of upkeep and things right. to keep track of. And when you cast spells in that game, sometimes it creates an element. Like oh, now there's wind in the room or fire in the room or whatever, and then that element can be spent to like amplify a magic spell. But in the tabletop game, I don't think I've ever once remembered. It's always three <laughs> turns later, and I'm like, oh, shit, there's supposed to be like a fire element in the room right now. And I don't ever remember to run that yeah. part of the game. Mm -hmm. And so digital board games definitely have to strike a balance between um, mm -hmm. between how much is it just the the, you know, there's a game called Tabletop Simulator that doesn't automate anything it's just here is the board game but in digital form and then you still have to run everything and flip over all the cards and do it all yourself mm. versus at the extreme other end of the spectrum um gloomhaven digital is it's a it's just a video game like it automates everything every element of the game like it feels like final fantasy tactics like mm. you know it doesn't feel like a board game at all mm. um and so it's um i don't know i'm not really building up to too much of a point here except that <laughs> I I, I kind of reject and don't like digital versions of board games. Um, if you are going to make one, you should probably do it the way Gloomhaven does it and just swing the pendulum all the way into like, nah, like we just made, we just turned it into a full-on video game. Um, and then it just feels like a tactics, like a hex-based tactics game. That's, that's it's better really, for really learning good. it. It's a cool tool. Yeah. And, you know, and there's a pandemic where everyone's been socially isolated and, mm -hmm. you know, digital board games have been a lifeline for them. And they've been an economic lifeline for the creators of these games that uh, that the whole industry didn't collapse in on itself. So, you know, none of that's lost on me. But for me personally, it's not it's not for me. That's well, interesting. I didn't realize we were going to do uh, what you've been bored in, but I have one, too. So toss to me after. Well, Randall, yeah, no, let's Randall ha also had a, a broader oh. question. What does the panel think of board games getting digital versions? And do you have a favorite mm -hmm. one? And I just wanted to say that's interesting that Justin's um, not as into digital versions of board games. I'm not a big board game guy like Justin is, but in the glory days of Xbox Live Arcade, remember mm -hmm. they were putting out stuff like Carcassonne and Settlers yeah. of Catan, mm -hmm. and yeah. I had never played those <clears throat> games before. I first experienced them through Xbox Live Arcade, and I Same. loved them. Uh, and I've since gone on to actually buy the physical versions too. So mm -hmm. it was actually, it was definitely served as some sort of a gateway. The digital versions were like a gateway for me into the physical versions. Absolutely. Like, I was legit for me have as problems well. learning these games. They're so difficult when I play them with friends. So it's like, it really does help me to have a digital one to, to learn. Mm -hmm. What are you anyway, doing, Sam? My digital game thing is that I am playing a game that's been adapted from the digital realm, which is uh, Animal Crossing Monopoly, which is fantastic. <laughs> It is not Monopoly. It is a completely different rule set. There is no currency or anything like that. It's just a square board. That's basically it. You don't even buy property like you would in Animal Crossing, which is kind of strange. Um, it's really fun. It's got this like super goofy like uh, uh, just adaptation of, of Monopoly parts with a completely different rule set, and it's very, very pretty and neat. I recommend it. 
if um, if anyone wants to read me rant about Magic the Gathering, <laughs> etc., you can do so at paperwave.substack.com. Please subscribe. <laughs> That's for your newsletter? Yeah. Well, I was going to ask where people could join up. Uh, I'm one step ahead of you on the plug, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what a uh, board game really doesn't hold up digitally is uh, Jumanji, because you just don't get the same hmm. physical in-person yeah. experience. No, but jokes aside, um, <laughs> I don't I don't play a ton of board games. Um, the, the one that I was obsessed with as a kid was the Game of Life, and then it came mm. out digitally, and just by virtue of the fact that I played it so much... <laughs> was what enticed me to play. And then I realized it just, it just doesn't have the same tactile feel, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like, you know, the point of board games often is also a social experience. So it does help that if we are um, trapped in a pandemic that we can do that stuff digitally. But I would go one step further and say <clears throat> you could recreate some of that um, in-person environment and just do board games in VR. And then mm-hmm. that's a solution to everything. Yeah. That'd be cool. This the the spatial element of it is super real. Like not just mm-hmm. the feel of you know picking up a really satisfying piece of cardboard, but like if I'm playing Ticket to Ride, I can look over at my opponent and see yeah. how big their pile of trains yeah. is, and like mm-hmm. all, there's no UI or UX to consider. It's all just there for you to see with your eyes, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it, it it doesn't feel as good to me. I it's crazy that this question came up though because I literally just installed and started playing Gloomhaven on Steam last night and was you know, pretty impressed well, with how yeah. well done, how well done that is. Hmm. Sam, any updates on the Godzilla pinball machine? Yeah, I think, well, uh, yes, uh, I'll be unboxing it. So that'll cool. be fun. Cool. Uh, but, uh, that I think is a November release at this point. It's really hard. They, they, they come out really quickly after they're announced right now. I mean, did you get to watch the videos for it and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's super funny looking like, um, uh, it has this feature where there's this little bridge and the bridge like breaks apart. So the ball like doesn't go over the bridge, which is really funny. <laughs> and then it has like a building that, that, that pinballs lock in on either side of this building. And then it like collapses down under the, you know, earthquakes caused by Godzilla. It's, it has some cool destructive elements in it. We'll see how it goes. Did you know they're making an Ultraman game too? No, I didn't. It's another yeah, that's cool. Doing it. Yeah. Are you, you're going to, um, uh, unbox it for IGN. Yeah, in fact, okay. you can check out my Mandalorian pinball unboxing out yeah. today on IGN. Oh wow! If you're cool. watching on Friday, I just unboxed that out. plug. But I was gonna say, Sam. In all seriousness, maybe I'll fly up to San Francisco for that. Yeah, for the unboxing. Yes. That'd be really fun. Um, yep. It will happen right here. You're welcome anytime. <laughs> uh, real quick, before video game twenty questions, Justin, did you finish <clears throat> Squid Game? No, not yet. We um we are watching only murders in the building now. I also oh, hear that. How is that? Good. It is so good, dude. With yeah, Steve right. Martin okay. and Martin Short, I thought yeah. it was going to be a goof em up, but it's not. It's like a real actual show with drama and good <laughs> stuff in it. Cool. Um, I did finish Squid Game. Sam, Tina, either of you watching that one? I finished it. What's that? I finished it. You finished it. Okay. Yeah, all through. I had many emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't do. I I have to. I have to slow play that one. I can't binge it. Is it worth watching? Oh yeah. Oh god. I, yeah. I think it's. I think it's. Okay, cool. It's probably the best new show I've watched this year. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely. That's great. My TV time has definitely been Ted Lasso. What we do in the shadows and uh, Dude, what if? Am I crazy? Does Ted Lasso season two suck? No, it's so good. Oh, oh. man, it's like oh. so overly sentimental and they're not they're they're focusing on all the unimportant stuff and like i actually want to see what, what? Ted's, ted's doing with the soccer the football team and like santa oh, so now you're exists. now you're a soccer guy yeah no it's like so <laughs> sappy and uh, it, it leaned too far into the sentimental hmm. cheesy stuff i mean but it, it was maybe it's that just me. in season one and now it's more like you know, season one was very sappy in a different way, yeah. uh, more positive way. And that's why the, the argument from a lot of people has been, oh, I watch this show because it's positive and it makes me feel good. It's like a mm-hmm. palate cleanser to all the other garbage out there. Yeah. Um, and so season two took a very different direction. And I think people weren't expecting that. And that, mm-hmm. has something to, that has something to do with like the nature of TV shows in general. Like when you subvert some expectations and, you know, inherently that's going to create some, some conflict with your sure. viewership. Sure. Mm-hmm. I don't think it goes. I, I gotta say, I don't love season. What are we three on uh, 
what we do in the shadows. I don't love it as much as Same. season one and two. It's, it's been pretty disappointing. My wife, mm-hmm. Kim, made the, uh, the correct observation. They're like, it went so much um, more crass. Like every joke is like a pervy sex joke now. Mm. Which is like, isn't like, doesn't like bother me. It's just like, it used well, to be a little bit more. that's why vampires to drink blood and fuck forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still enjoying it though. Yeah. 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 I, I've actually rewatched the first two episodes twice now because oh. uh, friends have wanted to watch it. And um, I, the, the rewatches of those episodes have been fantastic. But every time I watch a new one, it's not grabbing me as much. But man, I've watched those first two seasons probably three times also. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a rewatchy show in, in terms of like the volume of jokes in it. Yeah. So there's that. But if it doesn't hook me for the rest of the season, I'm probably not going to be that obsessed. I was going to say too for Ted Lasso, one of the things that that I think it has that um, it, it, the perspective I have on it is it has the amount of sappiness that The Office has, which was a little off putting for me sometimes. Um, sometimes I was like, oh, do I want to take these characters this seriously? Um, but I love the office. Like I really like it. So that's where I'm at with the show right now. And I'm hoping it's going to ride that out. The one thing about Ted Lasso, not to belabor this entire part of the conversation on, on game scoop. Um, but, uh, (laughs) the one thing about Ted Lasso that I really can't stand is like Ted's dialogue. They're going way too ham with it. Like I get it. He says things in cute ways and sometimes it's very clever. And then other times he's talking about, I forget the line, but it's like, finger toes hand toes hand finger feet fingers whatever that thing was and it was just like that was completely unnecessary no human being talks like that i get that he's covering up for his anxiety and so a certain amount of that fits and then a certain amount of it is is like way overwritten in my opinion yeah it's hard enough to understand the british accents when it starts getting really fast in that show it is it is hard to follow and then him as a character it's phony now. It, it's like he goes out of his way not to use normal language. And it fits sometimes. And then other times it's just so, so, so overwrought. And it's like, all right, that's a little too try hard for me. Yeah. The episode just about coach. I hated. I, I agree. I was like, what mm. is this episode? Why did they think we wanted to watch a whole episode about this dude? No way. It's bad. Season it's two artsy. is not, not working for me. That brings us to video game 20 questions. Our suggestion this week comes from John from Baltimore. Let the question begin. Baltimore, Maryland, huh? Maryland. (laughs) I didn't say it was Baltimore, Maryland. Oh, that's a good point. Great point. Baltimore, Texas. Baltimore, (laughs) Baltimore, Oregon. Um, Is this an open world game? Ish. You can't. That's not okay. You just have to give us the answer now because you didn't answer the question. You have to. You have to hold up your end of this game. Uh, It it probably means some. Some you're given some guardrails, or there are moments where it's open world, like Last of Us Two. There was an open world moment. (laughs) Or Uh, uh, what? uh, uh, Is this a spooky game? Yes. Resident Evil Eight. Did Capcom make this game? No. Man, if we got that in three questions, it would be really cool. <laughs> Did Konami make this game? <clears throat> yes. There we go. <laughs> yeah. We it's, gotta be, it's gotta be one of the Silent Hills, right? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously. I don't know which one. Oh, I guess we could go enemy type if you want to narrow it from there. From, I don't know the game. What are the well enemy enough. types in Castlevania? Um, does this series have a Frankenstein in it? Yes. Series. That's five. Okay. Oh yeah, we assume. Yeah, we're assuming that was that was basically two questions in one. Nice job, Sam. Thank you. So it's uh, it's, a, it's a Castlevania. Yeah. So was this game originally released on the Game Boy Advance? No. It's three of them gone. Oh, I'm assuming Metroidvania because he said open world ish. Oh yeah. Was this released on the NES? Yes. Okay. Is this so Simon's what? Quest. Yeah. Yes. That was. How many amazing. do we do? How eight many questions. Do do? It was an eight. Yes. Wow. Is that a record? No. That was so what's it, not a record, record, but it's the fastest in a long time. That's <laughs> true. <Sure. laughs> Man, open world esque is totally right for this game. It's a, mm-hmm. it's totally a proto, yeah, open world ish. It's totally a proto uh, uh, later Castlevania game. Yeah. Inspired by Metroid, probably right. So ahead of its time. Yeah. With this big sprawling expansive map. You still kill map the and... same enemies. <laughs> yeah. You're still whipping skeletons now. I mean, I did it all years. last night. <laughs> Wait, which one were you playing last night? Uh, uh, Aria of Sorrow. 
That is that in the advanced collection? Yeah. That's yeah. I've learned that that's that's the only truly great one on the GBA. This is what this <laughs> yeah. collection has taught me. Yeah, we are on uh, on NVC uh, we recorded today. Also, um, Seth was talking about how he had started the Castlevania collection, and Jared had given him a lecture about how he should <laughs> not start with Circle of the Moon, but should start with Aria of Sorrow. And the reasoning uh, was that uh, Aria of Sorrow, the, the collection has uh, one great game, two good games, and one terrible game, which he's referring mm-hmm. to Dracula X. So. Completely agree. Yep, completely agree. I don't, I don't remember it. Harmony of Distance being that different from Aria of Sorrow, but we'll see. Aria is really good. It is great. I started with Circle of the Moon, and I'm enjoying it just fine. Cool. But maybe I maybe, love these other yeah. games. Maybe Circle I'll... of the Moons, and, and like I, I, I'm a huge Castlevania guy, huge Metroidvania guy, but Circle of the Moons movement is crazy. Like I didn't remember at all how it worked with like the double tap to dash, and like mm-hmm. you're on this tiny cramped screen, but the get that game is so vertical. Like mm-hmm, I don't know, it doesn't feel that great. Man, Arya's uh, initial move set is so great. You get to you get oh. like a longer jump at first, and then a dash backwards, and it's like you're mm. already kicking butt. So good. It's really cool. Well, eight questions is good. Uh, Thank very you. fast to get your answer. Castlevania 2. Thank you for the suggestion. John in Baltimore, somewhere, mysterious Baltimore. <laughs> Baltimore, Transylvania. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Listeners and viewers, if you have your own suggestions for 20 questions, email them to me at uh, gamescoop at IGN.com. And that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Thank you to Tina, Sam, and Justin. Thank you to Mariah and working behind the scenes to make the show possible. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.